0: Rob, what are we doing here?
1: Hey, Aaron, we uh, we were late posting an episode last week, and I think that that is a mutual failure of both communication and uh, technical expertise with operating an email.
0: I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Online, it says it was posted at uh, on Friday at 1 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You know,
1: the other thing that makes me realize that we are not we haven't made it yet. What's that? Oh, nobody... No one reminded me. Like, no one was like, hey, there's no episode posted. Like, not a single soul in the universe, not even my co-host. Or the other person that was on that podcast. Nobody said anything. So the story is, and I'm sticking to it, is that I had edited it, and it was done in time, and I had written up the email to send to you to kind of let you know, like, we know, a little background of how how the sausage is made is... I usually write up a couple things, and then you polish the turn. Yeah. So, so I written up, I wrote, I wrote up the things to get polished, <laughs> and I guess rather than hitting the send button to send it to you to let you know that the turn was ready to be polished, yeah. I just didn't do that.
0: Apparently, so I have some uh, a little bit of consolation in this story. What day? What's your favorite podcast? Oh uh, let's just say all fancy everything uh, do they post an episode on a schedule? yes uh, what is that schedule every Friday Do you listen to the episode like on Friday right after they post it or if they release it Thursday at midnight I'll listen to it if You'll they leave, to to if they
1: leave lot, I always it's download podcasts at night right before i go to sleep so if it's out at midnight like it's supposed to be i download
0: it and listen to it while i'm at work the next day okay first you manually download your podcasts yeah oh okay
1: I'm Um, subscribed
0: to like 65 podcasts, so if
1: I had an auto-download for all of them, my phone would be full of podcasts. So I have to pick and choose which ones I'm going to listen to, because I don't listen to every podcast that every one of them puts out, right? Because a lot of the ones I listen to are not like episodic, right? You don't have to listen to every Planet money. You don't have to listen to every Freakonomics. I look at those and I'm like, oh, is that an interesting topic?
0: Is there an interesting guest? Or Is there an interesting thing happening? Then I'll listen Uh, to it. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Um, Now, what is your response to a Friday in which at midnight or whatever, or Friday morning, whenever it is, when you're looking to download shit, what do you do when uh, All Fantasy Everything is not there? So it's a better question
1: to ask about My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Okay. Because All Fantasy Everything... For as, like, kind of haphazardly recorded it seems to be, it's pretty professionally done. So it's very, very rare that it's not there.
0: Okay, okay.
1: My Brother, My Brother and Me comes out on Mondays, but it's just Griffin doing the editing. So, like, the time that that gets released is extremely variable. Yeah, Like, it can happen anywhere in a 72-hour window, honestly.
0: Yeah, okay. And what do you do? When so if All Fantasy Everything
1: happen. isn't up at Thursday, I go to their Twitter account to find out what the hell happened. Because usually there's a reason.
0: Ah, okay. With my
1: brother, my brother, and me, if it's not out, I'm just like, he's working on it. Guess I'll get it on Tuesday.
0: And what happens if by Tuesday it's still not there?
1: Then I'll go searching down the Twitter to find out if there was something that went wrong or...
0: I see, okay. Well, if if they haven't tweeted anything about it, do you tweet at them? No. Okay, so here's what I suspect. I suspect all of our fans, they went to our Twitter, it was like, oh my god, is everything okay? They go to the Twitter, there's nothing. They're like, meh, I'll wait. And here they are, uh, the next Friday, having gotten the episode probably uh, sometime Monday evening or Tuesday morning, uh, but seeing that it was there at 1 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Friday, the whole time, they just missed it somehow you've just kind of revealed that i always set the time to 1 a.m pacific but like why is it lit you (laughs) do that uh because it's a field in the rss so there's no reason like there's no reason not to anyone can do that to any podcast feed that they own i can go in and change them all to fucking january 1st 1970 if i want it doesn't matter Right, so it lets you do that. because Chaos. It's a field that <laughs> it's a field that can be set. Chaos. You can, and here's the other reason they do it. You if you set it in the future, it will hold the publishing of the episode until that time. So it is in some way smart. It's not just a field,
1: so that field can matter. So it does just, if you put it in the past, it doesn't care. But if you put it in
0: the future, it does. What I would say is RSS doesn't care. So if this were just the shitty thing that I originally wrote for our podcast before we moved it to Simplecasts, then it, it wouldn't do anything. You just put a fucking date time in that field. And, and then you post, and it posts and you, immediately no matter what you put there. Correct. When you look at the metadata, it will say post it on whatever. Now, it's possible that Google or Apple or somebody filters future things out. I don't know. But this particular platform that we use now has an extra feature that basically lets you future release an episode by setting a date and time in the so future. So the minute it I it send it to you, it.
1: if I send it to you early, you just immediately post it with the future time, and then you're done thinking about it.
0: Sometimes, but a lot of the times I'm, like, really busy, and so I literally wait till I'm about to go to bed, and then I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> and then I go in there, and I, it's, like, 2 a.m., and I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, and I'm, like, filling out the stuff. Uh, In which case it's also still a lie Because I posted it at 2am And I put the time at 1am But here's the thing I don't do it to lie I do it because it satisfies my OCD So they're all the same? Yeah, I decided one time That it was going to be 1am Pacific Standard Time on Fridays And that's what it is (laughs) Every fucking time Regardless of whether or not that's true Correct Uh, Yeah, the other thing is, and I don't know why I thought of this, but I really, 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 really wanted it to be before noon GMT, but I really, 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 really didn't want it to land on midnight PST, and so I chose 1am because that's a time in which it'll always be before noon GMT, it'll always be after midnight PST, so unless you're in Hawaii, it should always say Friday. For most of the world. This
1: is really weird. Why is this weird? Why do you care what it says a GMT?
0: I don't know. I, I don't know, Rob. I don't know.
1: Like, if you're at East Coast, fine.
0: Yeah, it's just because of the. I don't know. I want it all to be Friday, and that covers a lot of the globe when am. Speaking PSG.
1: of time zone fun, are you ready for this weekend? Is it... what? Spring forwards this weekend. What? No, it's not. You're about to lose an hour
0: on Saturday. What? No, Rob, why would you tell me such a thing? I didn't... I actually didn't know that. Well, that's just shitty. Yeah, they... You will lose an hour of sleep Saturday night. We'll be going to Pacific Daylight Time. So, uh, interestingly, did you know that the Washington legislature is currently considering a bill that would keep Washington on PDT and never go back to PST? So, you mentioned this to me, and
1: uh, I think it was your wife that was very excited about being PDT rather than PST. Yeah. Why does anyone give a shit which one it is as long as they stick to one? I
0: agree with you wholeheartedly. But for whatever reason... So if you think about it, let's say the sun sets at 6 p.m. right now. I don't know when it sets. Probably around then. But let's Right, you were giving an example.
1: Let's go with it.
0: Yeah, let's go with it. It sets at 6 p.m. right now. After Sunday, right... That sun will now set... Instead of 6 p.m., it will set at 7 p.m., right? Correct. Because that day will go forward an hour. The sun doesn't give a fuck. Earth's rotation doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck but the weird race of sentient beings on planet Earth who invented a really fucked-up system that doesn't do anything for anyone, especially in the modern era. Anyway... So now the sun will set at 7 a.m., seven p.m., and it, let's say the sun was going to rise at 8 a.m., it'll now rise at 9 a.m., right? It'll all shift by one hour. Chelsea's argument is that she would rather have that daylight after work, right? She'd have that, she'd rather, because in the summer, when you're still on PDT here, you're looking at like a 9 fucking 40 sunset time. Rather than an 8.40 sunset time. And she likes that. She wants it to be light outside as late as possible during the summer.
1: I would argue that the answer to that is to just continue to go to work at the same time. That is the
0: answer to that.
1: Before you were going to work at, say, 7 a.m., according to your watch. Yeah. Now you're going to work at 6 a.m.? 6, 6 a.m., yeah. Which is the same time, and you will not have to deal with a weird hour jet lag every season. You just You just – it's the same amount of time that you're doing everything. You've just
0: – So uh, the, one of the studies about uh, daylight savings time is kind of – there's a few different studies, but one of them claims that around 40 lives will be saved per year, that they are an estimated increase of in the United States – If the entire United States got rid of it, around 40 people's lives would be saved per year by the decrease in shittiness of that one-hour jet lag that, you know, causes problems for people. I don't know
1: if I would find that a compelling argument. Like, there's a (laughs) lot of other more compelling arguments to me than
0: that one. (laughs) Yeah, well... Either way, my opinion is I don't give a shit whether it's PST or PDT or fucking EDT or EST or screw it. Just put us on GMT and we will go to work at uh, eh, uh, whatever time, 4pm, and we'll come back home from work at fucking midnight. I don't give a shit what the clock says. Everyone should just stick to one goddamn time. The fact that we have time zones to begin with, whether or not those time zones switch based on the season, is dumb to me. Just choose GMT and go with it. I have been working on a project at work that's in a different time
1: zone than where I live, and it would have made everything so much easier if we if if I could just say let's have a meeting at 3 and that meant the same thing to everyone.
0: I agree. And see, I'm a hyper nerd about being specific on it, so I will when I know I'm communing with people you know, there's time zones. I won't just say the time zones that I mean. I will also say the correct daylight or standard. I will say PST or PDT or CDT or CST or whatever. That's so dumb. Like, why do we have to have that bullshit?
1: I don't know if I'm going to say the correct PDT or slash PST, but I will specify P PT. or mountain yeah. or eastern or central time. Yeah, Like, because you have to. If you don't, yes. then there's ambiguity in your email, and then that's how you get meetings set up where people don't show up.
0: For most of the country, it's well understood that what PT, CT, MT, and ET, even though I switched the middle to by order, all mean. Right. And the only thing is if you have certain states where, like, I think Nevada doesn't observe it or something. Arizona. Like that. Is it Arizona? is Arizona. In, in which they are never in MST or they're never in MDT, whichever it is. And so then it is kind of important because, you know, PDT is the same as MST. <laughs> I will argue
1: that Arizona currently is doing this the most right. But if you happen to be working with people outside of Arizona as an Arizonan, you have to understand that you're one of 49, not 49 out of 50, and that it's your responsibility to figure out the difference until the rest of the country catches up.
0: Yeah, when we say Pacific time, I'm assuming that they're on Mountain Standard time, I don't know, but when we say Pacific time and it's it's winter, we actually mean their exact time. But when it's summer... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're Sorry. an hour different yeah we what i meant is flip those whatever anyway. part of the year
1: we're an hour off part of the year we're an hour on we're they the have same. to know the difference exactly not us. if yeah. i specify mountain time then you have to know what that means arizonans until the rest of the country catches up to you you're ahead that's true you being ahead makes you the one that has to figure it out until Unf- everyone else gets to your level unfortunately
0: unfortunately But, yeah, I think we should, and honestly, nowadays, computers don't even use GMT anymore. I don't think we should use GMT. What do you think we should use?
1: Something in the middle of the ocean where no one lives. Oh, uh,
0: sure. I mean, I don't really care.
1: I'm just trying to be like, I don't want anyone to get offended. I don't want anyone to get upset. pick the time zone where currently the least number of people on Earth live and use that one.
0: Well, so the thing is, nowadays it's a lot easier to just... I mean, it's still GMT, but we use the term UTC, right? Yeah, but that's still
1: very European-centric, and it would be a hard sale to get, like, the Middle East and Asia. Because, like, it would be great if the whole human race had the same time. And if I'm trying to get as many people... You know what I think we should do? Aren't Mars days really close to Earth days?
0: Let's use central Mars time. Central... (laughs) <laughs> that works. There we go. Um, but now a lot of computers, they'll use, instead of seeing UTC, you'll see a Z, which stands for Zulu. But Zulu time is also, unless I'm mistaken, also the same as GMT.
1: Which it right? sounds like the British people are trying to get their shit spread out even more and they're trying to hide it behind the fact that they're using an African word. <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: Uh... But anyway, let's all agree that times, time, daylight savings time is dumb, and time zones are, while slightly less dumb, are dumb. Can we change it
1: when we make the change? Uh huh. To make all time zones the same. Uh huh. Can we also change the definition of a second such that we won't need to do leap days for at least like a couple hundred years?
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, sure, why not?
1: Because I realize that, (laughs) like, the length of time is changing slightly as Earth comes further, closer to the sun and gravity and all that. But, like, for a couple hundred years, we could buy ourselves no more leap
0: years. Yeah, uh... What I'm thinking is... Yeah. Because you have
1: to make a second just enough longer that so spread out over the course of a year, you're getting a quarter day back.
0: Yeah, and so that's the problem, though, right? Is that then you're going to work <laughs> a slightly different time. Uh, no, I guess, it, yeah, a slightly different time because you still want to coordinate work with daylight, right? So if you move the second right you're you're moving so 4 p.m. on the 1st of January let's say that's when the sun rises in our new time right 4 p.m. in a in a year the sun in the next J- December 31st the sun will be rising at you know 8 p.m. or noon whichever one it is right because that second was longer the whole time you're slowly moving when when that is right and i think that's one of the reasons why they do leap years is because it's easier to just drop that day or that quarter day and fix it on the year mark so that you're never moving like the time that you know what i'm saying the sun rises and sets now it's okay i don't really care that you move the time the sun rises and sets because you have like 8 hours sunlight during the winter and then like 12 or 16 hours sunlight during the summer or whatever it is. So obviously it's a, it's a very huge margin of when sunlight is on, but it seems weird When sunlight to, is on. Yeah, <laughs> it seems weird that January 1st the sun is rising at 4 p.m. and on December 31st, in which the day is almost exactly as long as it was a year ago, the sun is now rising at 8 p.m. Or whatever, right? So that. See, but then every four years it would correct itself? Every four years you'd be back at 4 p.m. again, right? So that's true. And again, that's not technically a bad idea. Like when you read most sci fi novels, they still call a day a day. And it's like 24 Earth hours or whatever. Whether that fucking planet is spinning on what time, whether it's, you know, sunlight for 50 hours at a time or sunlight for one hour at a time. They, you know, because it's human beings, they all derive their time, their seconds, minutes, hours, days from Earth.
1: I imagine that for a while after humanity colonizes other worlds, that will be the case. But after a couple generations on a separate world, they're going to stop thinking in Earth days.
0: Possibly. Um, you don't well, think you, so? No, because uh, it'll be it'll take way longer for the human genome to adapt to the to different planets, and for at least a hundred generations, humans are still going to be generally on a twenty four hour cycle because we evolved on this planet, right? But you know, yeah, when you're looking at a you know fifty thousand years on a planet with fifty hour days. Those, those generations I'm not saying that the cycle is going to be different, but they're not going to think of it in Earth days. I disagree. They might not divide it by 24 anymore. They might divide it by 10 or something. But I still think that a day will be roughly 22 to 26 hours for quite a while. Just well, because of the circadian rhythm. But that's just a guess.
1: And it will probably remain a guess for our lifetimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it most definitely will. Uh, well, that was <laughs> the most in-depth discussion I've had about Time Zones in quite a while. Uh, but I do appreciate it because it is, it is fun times.
1: To talk about it a bit since we didn't talk about it all last week. Oh, I know and since we out. are on the sci-fi. The
0: sci-fi. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? How, are we still pushing along? I am pushing along. I'm on. I think I'm right where you said it's getting interesting, and it is getting interesting. Um, so far I'm enjoying it. I'm not but, asking for a review. I'm just making
1: sure. I'm just yeah. reminding people that we're reading the player of games. That you know, we're now
0: at the halfway mark, theoretically. Yeah. I, so I want to give a mini pre-review. That you know why? What I'm telling you? Because I think it'll be interesting. Just tell me whether you agree or not. I,
1: I'm i worried it's, that people are going to start reading it late and
0: that you're going to spoil something. No spoilers. No spoilers. It's about the writer. Okay. <coughs> For whatever reason, the thing that was bothering me... You know, I said that I was bothered by something. <laughs> the thing that's bothering me is that I feel like uh, his writing is not consistent. In the important parts, it's... Very, very good. Like, very, 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 very good, in my opinion. But you can tell when he's just doing exposition, and it seems kind of bored, almost. Like, he's bored of having to do the exposition to bridge one important part to another important part. And that's just my... I don't know. Anyway. Like, I'm at a section right now that I think is pivotal, and the writing... Is amazing. It's fucking fantastic. But are you reading it or are you listening to it? Both. But a few chapters ago, I was kind of like, "Oh, some of the good writing from the beginning is not really showing up here. Maybe he like finishing this off lazily." Not the case. It's not being finished off lazily. It's just I think that section maybe wasn't as interesting to him, and it, I just the only reason I bring it up is it's it's. It's a little less stark for most other writers, I feel like. I'm sure other writers feel some of their exposition is boring to them, and it's not as interesting for them to write, so they slack off a little. But I feel like this is like a much I mean, wider range. Okay,
1: but go into something that we can spoil a bit, because if you haven't read or watched at this point, then that's on you, not us. But Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. He wrote an entire boring book to bridge exciting to exciting. Yeah, and like writing... a Feast of Crows was not as good a book as the other ones were.
0: Correct, but I would argue that the writing was just as good. I would say the content less exciting, but and and I'll and I guess maybe we should do a spoiler alert in this one. But the scene where Cersei walks through, uh, what the fuck is it? Is it Camelin? No, that's from Wheel of Time. Fuck me. The main uh, city. Yeah. I don't remember it's called. Uh, something, it's two words. I know. King's Landing. King's Landing. That is an amazing piece of writing right there. And the entire book is a lot of exposition stuff that's not as exciting, but I would argue that his writing is just as fucking good. It's just not as exciting content to the reader. Is what I would well,
1: say. Well, you know... That's obviously up for debate, and it's an opinion that <laughs> we're not going to come to a definitive conclusion on, so there's really no point in beating this horse. Indeed. But I'm just saying, occasionally you have to – there has to be boring bits of the story because otherwise it's exhausting, yeah. and it's just – and you need to build characters. You need to no, build no, no. tension. You need to build world. and
0: Yeah, I think you're misinterpreting. I know, I know what you're saying. Oh, you're okay, saying okay. that you
1: think the quality of writing got worse Correct. when the story got boring. So the story, he's doing the filler bits that you have to do to build the story, and you feel like the quality of writing within the filler bits was worse as well as the story not being as exciting. And I, maybe this is like wine, (laughs) where everyone else seems to be able to tell the difference, but I can't. I see, okay. (laughs) I understand that stories are going to have a boring character building bit and that you have to, as a reader, pay attention because a lot of that information is boring now, but likely, if the writing is good, will be important later.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Sports ball! Okay, make sure you start the section with that. And keep everything I'm saying right now. This is all important. Go. So, in sports ball, uh, there's two stories that I wanted to cover. Okay. Is um, any of them AFC Wimbledon? Because that's the only sports team I know anything about right now.
1: You know what? Now that we're on AFC Wimbledon, I just wanted to go ahead and let you know uh-huh. that all of the podcasts that we listen to at PodCon have now been officially released, so you uh, can download listen to them. Uh-huh. And today I listened to the Anthropocene review that we heard live. Uh Uh-huh. So we heard a version of that live, but he apparently re-recorded it because, like, the the episode that's up now is not the live one that we listened to. It's the same thing, same content. He's edited it a little bit, but for the most part... I'm so against that. I knew you would be. I'm so against that. (laughs) I listened to it on the bus on my way to work this morning. Uh Uh-huh. And I cried again, knowing exactly <laughs> what
0: was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so I the think thing, that's why I'm against that. Because I felt like he had a little bit of a break in his voice that I think he might have been able to edit out. Yeah, he, he did. He did. And he, I don't want that edited out. The, there was
1: one thing at the very end of this that I don't know if he said it. Uh-huh. Uh... In the in the live podcast, he might have, and I was, didn't remember it, but it hit hard. Okay. On the re-listen. and it was at the very end. He was like, he finishes the whole thing, and he's doing his thanks. Yeah. And the last thing he said before the podcast goes dark is, "I'd like to thank my son Harvey for suggesting the topic of Velociraptors."
0: Oh, interesting. And it I just becomes,
1: not- I it, was like. You named your son after this incident. Like, this yeah. is the reason why your son's name is Harvey. And you didn't say that outright. You just...
0: Uh, slipped it in. Slipped uh, it in. Uh, it in. And I was like... Him at the end. Oh, I was like, oh, that hurt. Oh, it hit hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's awesome. I don't know if he
1: said that in the live version. I don't, I don't remember, remember him saying that. that. I yeah. feel like I would have... Like, I heard it this time and I was like... Because I'd like to thank my son Harvey for suggesting the topic of Velociraptor. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even say...
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I need to watch that movie still. It's on my list.
1: Yeah, that was not sports ball though. No, okay, sports ball. Okay, so sports ball corner. Uh, I want to first do a story of the Seattle Mariners. Okay. The last time we left off the Seattle Mariners, they dumped everyone I knew and loved. Yep. Uh, in a complete tear down of the team. To pick up a bunch of young players and to try to build something new.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And I have thrown this season away. Like, they're gonna lose a hundred games, they're too young, they've got they've got no superstars, uh, mm-hmm. pitching isn't there anymore. They've got pretty much they've kept one of the good they kept one of their really good players from last year and then was the youngest one of their good players. Okay. Spring training has begun. They're getting rolling. Baseball season starts at the beginning of April, so they're doing a bunch of spring training games right now, which are like real baseball games, but they just like no one plays more than two or three innings because they're I trying see. to get they're trying to get as many guys playing time to get them back in the season. It's an opportunity to give a bunch of the young guys some play time that might not see it during the regular season or might be in the minor leagues during the regular season. But this is a chance for them to see some professional pitching in a professional game. Yeah. type of situation. So like the stars will do like the first two to three innings and then they'll start and then the lineups shift. And so largely no one puts any stock in spring training. For a couple reasons. One, the stars aren't playing much of the games and for like the mega superstars, they don't even participate in spring training like at all until the last week. Okay. Cause like those guys don't need this. They, yeah. they know how to prepare themselves They know how to be ready for baseball season. This is their life. They're amazing at it. They don't want to risk getting injured for a game that they don't need. Yeah. Okay. So mostly it's the journeymen playing as well as young guys.
0: Yeah.
1: On top of that, a lot of the pitchers in spring training aren't pitching their best pitches. Mm-hmm. Spring training is a great opportunity for them to try some new stuff, to practice some new pitches, to try some new strategies so they're even like the best pitchers that are going out there and they're not gonna throw their best stuff because they know their best stuff is going to be there they're using spring training to learn new stuff so even like the best pitchers a lot of times will get torched in spring training because they're throwing things they wouldn't throw in a regular game they're trying okay. stuff new so there's a ton of reasons any reasonable baseball fan will tell you spring training means nothing okay and this is similar across all sports. Yeah. It's like, famously, one time in NFL history, there has been a team that won zero games. They went zero for 16. Uh-huh. That same season, that team was 4-0. Four wins, zero losses in spring training. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing. that You just don't put stock in spring training. It's not important. Okay. <laughs> All of that being said, the Mariners are doing amazing in spring training. Oh, my God. <laughs> they're scoring so many runs. And, like, they picked up this new Japanese pitcher, this super young Japanese pitcher came over, and he's been just lighting it up. Marco Gonzalez, who's, like, this guy that the Mariners picked up for, like, nothing two seasons ago, is supposed to be their ace this season. And everyone's like, he's not, a- he's, not- he's not an ace. He's not that good. He's been just torching people. All these young guys are just hitting out of their heads fucking mind. The <laughs> mayors picked up some older veteran players that the intention was to trade, but they couldn't trade them because no one wanted them. And they're doing amazing
0: in spring trading, the players that weren't even supposed to be on the but team. Wouldn't? Isn't this bad? Isn't that bad? Like, don't they want to suck really hard so that they can get better picks? Yes. Like, they've given up all these good people, and it seems like if they're good, if they're just good enough, to perform slightly worse than last season, let's say, then they've given up a lot of talent for no more picks. <laughs> yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as a fan, like, yeah, I was okay. ready for this just to be a bomb season where it was just like embarrassing. So and it's just like, and I know that I shouldn't be care. I should just be separating myself and not watching.
0: Yeah. So uh, let me ask. I know that you can't throw a game. For like financial game, like make a bet and then throw a game, right? Like that's not cool. But can they throw games to get better picks? So technically, it is against the rule to lose on purpose.
1: Okay, Uh, and if it is shown for any reason, but if it is shown players
0: to lose on purpose, is okay. (laughs) As
1: long as you're, as long as within the confines of the stadium, yeah, you're trying, okay. And if it's shown that you're purposely losing games or have instructed players to do things with the intention of losing games, Major League Baseball can take the team away from the owner and it'll become, like, league run until they find a new owner is, is like, what they would do. I don't think that's ever happened and I don't think it ever will happen because, like, you're losing a billionaire investment into your sport and it'd have to be a really blatant attempt to lose for that to happen. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if that would ever happen, uh, you know. But,
0: but it technically possible. is against the rules. So okay. As a fan, this is great. As Moneyball, I, it might not be. This is not great. Unless
1: I mean, even in all of their press conferences, when the owner and the manager are out there talking about this, they're like, "We're targeting a 2021 playoff run." Like, okay. we're getting all of these players that we think will all be ready at the same time, and that same time will be 2021. That's when the Mayors are back. Okay. And it looks like 2019. I don't know. They're going to be bad. They're going to be bad, but I'm excited about,
0: about it them being good. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. And, and I also uh, – tell me whether my offhand uh, listening of the TV is correct here uh, at the gym. Ichiro is now part of the coaching staff? So last year he played
1: early in the season. Uh-huh. He's like 43 last year. I think he's 44 now. He was awful. But they <laughs> never he never officially retired, and they never took him off the roster. But he okay. never played any more games, and he was pretty much taking this place as a coach. Mm-hmm. But he was technically still a player. And that is still the case now. Mm. Um, the Mariners are going to be playing a series in Japan this year. And a lot of people are speculated that he's going to stay on the team as a player for that Japanese series. He'll God, play the Japanese play series, and games. then and then he'll officially retire, and uh, and uh, become part of the coaching staff. Uh, okay, cool. But primarily, he's playing the role of a coach right now. But he yeah. is technically playing. Like in spring training, he's played. He's gotten hits and played in games.
0: Okay. Okay. All right, so what's uh, sports ball number two? Sports ball number two is personal. Personal? Oh, I know it's going to be. I bet it's going to be about all of those shuffleboard games you've been playing. No, 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 no. I actually love shuffleboard, so don't hate. Softball. I love shuffleboard, too. Um, No, basketball. Right. Basketball. Nailed it in four. Uh,
1: (laughs) I am part of my work basketball team.
0: I did not know this. I <laughs> Rob's not hitting because he knows I know this.
1: Yeah. I, I have never played any type of organized basketball. Okay. Like playing 21 yeah. is as close to organized basketball as I've ever played.
0: What are your organized sports? You got tennis. Yep. What other sports have you played organized? Baseball. Yeah. Okay. Baseball. Uh, I played a bit of soccer as a child. Okay. Like,
1: I played soccer till I was probably eight or nine years old. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh I have played in several ping pong mm. uh exposition nice. tournaments.
0: That's that's pretty hardcore. I have
1: played some organized volleyball.
0: Yeah, okay. Been in
1: some volleyball leagues.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you you know your way around a uh, semi-professional career in a team sport. No.
1: (laughs) Semi-professional assumes it's
0: like paid, right? That's true. It would assume that. I've never won any Uh, money at sports. Let's say this. Almost professional.
1: Almost semi-professional career. I would say that the sport I'm the best at relative to competition would be tennis. I probably... I'm guessing that I would have guessed that. I think second is probably baseball, but yeah. I I was definitely much more capable of competing in tennis than I was ever, ever playing baseball. That's beside the point. I have never done any of that with basketball. Okay. Ever. Okay. And so I went into this thinking that I was going to be terrible. Yeah. And the first two games we played,
0: I played pretty well. I played better than I expected to play. How many points did you put on the board, and then what was the number of points your team got total? I think the first game I had six points, and we had, like, a total of
1: 44. That's pretty good. And the second game I had eight points, and I
0: think we had roughly 40. Nice. That's pretty good. I would have been zero on both of those. You don't, I mean, eh, you don't know. You don't know.
1: Um... (laughs) But as, as time has gone on, I have not gotten better. And I found that um, I don't know how to
0: dribble. Oh, really? I could teach you.
1: I, uh, <laughs> just, I just didn't know I was that bad at it.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm probably the same way. Like, I, I know how to dribble, but I'm guessing that playing in, a, in an environment that's competitive would make me realize that I am not good at it. Yeah, man. Like, I I have
1: ball-handling skill problems. So, like, what I've pretty much reduced myself to is I never hold the ball other than to pass or shoot. Like, I'm never going to drive for the basket. I'm never going to try to, like, make a play happen. I try to get open, and if I end up with the ball and I'm not open, I look for a passing opportunity. Like, I don't ever try to make anything happen because I will bounce the ball off my foot I will bounce the ball off <laughs> the side of my hand. The ball will get stolen. Interesting. I just, I, like, when there's people putting their hands in places and trying to knock you around, like, I can't handle it. It's, just, <laughs> it's really bad.
0: Yeah, I feel like I would be the same way because, I mean, I played competitively, competitively as a kid for, like, maybe one season in which, because I was tall and could jump, I was basically the rebounder because I don't know how to shoot. That's exactly
1: what I've trying to do is like, yeah, okay. I I just, I am, I'm physical and I'm rough in the paint. I will try to get rebounds and pass it out. Like I like, yeah. this is what I can bring to this team that is the most helpful because it's definitely not going to be me being a point guard. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to look for people who are about to shoot and then I'm going to run in and try to rebound.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I,
1: that's <laughs> that. Like, I try to get open. If I, if, if I see a shot about to happen that it's not me shooting, I'm going to run in and try to rebound. And then I've gotten a couple points off of rebounding and putting the
0: ball back in on, like, oh, a layup. Nice. Or something. Like, that's
1: how I've started to, to, to get, if I score, generally that's, that's how. That's
0: when it, see, I would miss all of those. There's something about being close to the uh, net that makes me even less likely <laughs> to put it in. Like, you know how people, like, can fucking sync layups all day long? I cannot sync them at all, ever.
1: That's something you could work on pretty quickly. I bet you'd figure it out. Like, it, it, yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. I also, I got, like, two
0: assists in our loss this week, and I felt good about that. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, maybe we should practice together, Rob. Let's I love basketball. Better. Let's get better uh, at dribbling. As
1: bad as I've been, it has been so much fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Like, I was like, I should probably not go every week just to, like, maybe they'll be better if I'm
0: not there. But I'm like, I'm having fun. I want to keep going. So one thing that I would like to continue, but I haven't, is because I left Microsoft and went to Oracle. Uh, my my team used to play volleyball on Wednesday nights. Which is volleyball in a uh, racquetball court. So you can use the walls and shit. Uh, is that an official sport or something you guys made up? No, no, no. I mean, it's, uh, it's in between that. We didn't make it up. It's not an official. I mean, I don't think it's didn't, an official sport. Did people at Microsoft like, make it up because they no. had a racquetball court and some
1: volleyballs and they're no. like, what can we do with this? It's
0: a thing that you could like look up online.
1: Okay. I believe you. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah, so I just looked it up. And it actually has a Wikipedia article. Look at this. It was created by Sue Brown at the Calabasas Racquetball Club in Calabasas, California in 1979. Oh, it's old. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy volleyball um, because it's easy, in my opinion. And you know what makes it easier? Walls. Walls make it easier. Uh, So now what makes it harder, though, is that because Rob and I, we were on a volleyball team once. Um, it was called Team Sex, and we completely dominated. And if you're wondering, Sex is spelled S-E-C-T-S. Was know, there any question there? Was that not clear? No, no, no. It was perfectly clear. I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew. Um, and we dominated, let's be honest. Uh, and But one of the things is my spiking ability... Uh, extends to jumping and spiking the fucking ball. In volleyball, you shouldn't do that. It should be spike literally 90 degrees to the floor. Don't spike it at the floor, spike it at the wall because nobody, nobody can dig that. Nobody. Right? And so that's my problem is that when I spike it, I spike it right at someone and they dig it and it's fine. Whereas when I get spiked on, it's like they're going to hit it straight down and then they just hit it sideways and it's like wall dead. And I'm like, fuck.
1: When I was briefly in a beach or sand volleyball, there was no beach, sand volleyball <gasps> league. What I found is I could go up and jump when a spike opportunity happened and I could spike the ball. Uh-huh. And it was probably 66% of the time successful. 33% of the time I would either hit it out or someone oh. would dig it.
0: Yeah, that's still pretty what,
1: good. You know what's 100% successful? To jump up like you're going to spike the shit oh. out of the ball and then yeah. just tip it over. Yeah. They, they always back up and then by the time they realize what you've done, they're never they're, there. You well, never hit it out of bounds because yeah. you're just poking it over. Yeah. Like, it's perfect. It's a perfect I do that strategy. all
0: the time. I do that all the time. The other thing that's perfect about it is the person, not only are they now away from where they need to be, their momentum is going the exact opposite if, direction. There's no way they're going to turn that And they're around. never
1: going to, like, if someone comes up to do a block, that's when you have to make a decision.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But if they're backing up, tip it over. Yeah. Because they're not going to, like, there's never going to be someone that's just going to sit there and not jump, right? Yeah. Because... Their option is going to be eat it in the face, mm-hmm. hard. If you hit it hard,
0: or block which is what you're it. going to
1: do if they if they just stand there looking up, pound it. But if they're backing up,
0: bloop, yeah, give bloop. it a little, give it a little yeah, tippy tap. A little tap.
1: Put, it a little, put it over.
0: Those are also the most satisfying ones too. You know, it's like in Halo. When, you know, you'd come up from behind someone and punch them in the back. (laughs) And it's just like, that's just so much more. There's nothing, shooting them is not satisfying at all compared to that. (laughs) Every game has that. Like in Counter-Strike,
1: it's a knife kill. Like every game, every major FPS has that humiliating way (laughs) to kill someone. Uh, God, what game is it that, oh, it's the new Counter-Strike. Okay, what is it? Global offensive. In addition to having the knife, Uh now has a taser, and you can just like you have to get very, very close, and you can just tase people to death. (laughs) And
0: that's ah, wonderful. How humiliating. Uh, But yeah, that is also so. What we should do at some point is maybe get do some racquetball. That would be fun. Okay. Uh, Maybe I'll sneak you into my gym or something. Or t-
1: I'm down for tennis, or we want to do like a okay. volleyball league. Um,
0: back in high school, David and I had a period off. Oh, no, I hear know you. This story. I hear what. No, I hear what you're going to say about oh. your and immense used, tennis skills. We used to play racquetball together every day, and one day we bought uh, four packs of tennis balls. We went outside with tennis rackets, not racquetball rackets, and we played <laughs> tennis for around four minutes. Until all 12 balls were no longer <laughs> confined within the space of not the court, but the fucking, like, big-ass fence they put over the court. And then we went back inside, and we played racquetball.
1: <laughs> uh, I feel like you're maybe trying to muffle it like you would in racquetball.
0: Uh, but Yeah, I'm sure. I, I mean, that's my point. I, I don't have any, like, not even an iota of finesse when it comes to smacking balls. In a ball-smacking-oriented game.
1: As far as ball-smacking-oriented finesse games are concerned, <laughs> the beautiful thing about tennis is that you learn how to muscle it over time where you can yeah. fucking swat the shit out of the ball as hard as you can. And, and you get the satisfaction get of getting it in. Like, that's yeah. when you're like... That's when tennis uh, feels it. That's when tennis feels its supreme. That's when you flex you're
0: like, your tennis guns.
1: Well, it's like you fucking hit the shit out of that ball, and it went into this little tiny space not that far away with, like, a net. In front of it. Everything yeah, is I'm against sure you, and you hit the shit out of the ball, it. and it worked
0: out. Like that. Yeah, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. You got to know how to, like, put on some topspin for that, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's,
0: that's the key. That's why you see in tennis matches, like, the follow-through is almost always, like, bringing the wrist over the top, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I have to admit... You have to be hella tall to hit it flat hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have to admit, doing that would make me feel very satisfied. I'm sure. Right? That's You're just a awesome. couple
1: years of practice away.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like five to ten years of good old... Because what I've noticed is as I get older, my hand-eye coordination skills are they're not worse things that I was good at as a kid I could typically pick back up right like I wasn't that good at baseball but I was pretty accurate at hitting the ball and when we go to you know the 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 batting uh cages like I've missed a few at first and then after few, three or four rounds I starting to hit you know eight out of ten or whatever but I feel like when you're getting older and learning a new hand-eye coordination skill it's like nope that's not a thing that my body will ever learn how to I I need
1: some place where I can practice dribbling a basketball and, and not. not feel embarrassed to be doing it. Because, <laughs> yes. like, if I were 10, I would buy a basketball or have my parents, I guess, buy me a basketball, and I would just run up and down the street dribbling. Yeah. Because I need to, like, I need to learn how to full speed down a basketball court dribbling a ball. Because at this current moment... <laughs> That is a skill I just don't have. I can't Dude, do it.
0: Why don't you just do that outside? Because
1: I'm an adult, and that would look ridiculous. <laughs> and everyone's gonna be looking out their window, like, "What in the fuck is that full grown adult doing?"
0: Do you know what you could do instead? You could just go play with some kids. That that would put me on some lists. <laughs> Isn't that unfortunate? I fucking love hanging out with kids. When I taught swim lessons, you I you worded loved... that very appropriately. Bravo. I did. I that did. could have gone bad. I did. But, like, I love teaching swim lessons. It's fun. Kiddos are funny, right? Uh, if you are wearing a badge
1: that says that you are a swim instructor and you are teaching little kids how to swim, cool. If you
0: show up to a public pool and they gather around kids to learn how to swim, <laughs> it's not cool. I know. I know. It's unfortunate. It's. Uh, but I. I feel like... It's unfortunate for a good reason. I'm okay, um, you know, passing on my swim lesson teaching uh, persona on to others so that they may teach swim lessons. So yeah, you probably can't go find a bunch of kids and play basketball with them, unfortunately.
1: Also, it would be embarrassing because likely some of them would be
0: better than me. Oh, but that's fine. That's like, that's not embarrassing. It's character building. <laughs> right?
1: character building is rarely
0: ever feels good it was interesting and i did have fun and do you know what rob i want to submit to the record and this better be in it the this like the last 30 seconds of me speaking and me speaking right now better remain so that the record knows that i said the record you'll never know if it is or not i know that i said on the record that rob should have put the sentence where he said this has been a good discussion because I think this is all good banter, even though he might cut it out. The First Amendment to the US Constitution goes like this, and I only want to talk about one section.
1: Before we jump into this obviously <laughs> hour long conversation, I would like to put on record that Aaron said before we began that this was going to be 10 minutes. Correct.
0: Which you're going to keep in there.
1: I did not know that his 10-minute conversation was going to start with the First Amendment to the Constitution. (laughs) I did not know that that was going to be how his
0: 10-minute long conversation started. So, and and in typical reading amendment fashion, I'm going to read all of the punctuation. Because, let's be honest, 1776-1789 punctuation was whack as shit. Those guys didn't know what the fuck punctuation was supposed to be for. Anyway, uh, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, comma, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, semicolon, what the fuck, or abridging the what the fuck is not in the actual text, FYI, or abridging the freedom of speech, comma, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble... Assemble, comma, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So first of all, I find the petition the government for a redress of grievances to be comical, but it's one of the reasons why, like, the White House has to accept petitions and shit and, like, respond because they're, like, constitutionally obligated to... Be petitioned <laughs> for a redress of grievances. Constitutionally mandated
1: to say fuck off to a citizen <laughs> yeah. when they make stupid positions. Like things like trying to change the national anthem to the Spongebob
0: Squarepants theme song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so I the only thing that I want to talk about is uh, the first two clauses. Which is, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, comma, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So first of all, we have to understand that two things have made the U.S. Constitution way more powerful than it was originally written. Uh, One of those things is tort law, which is laws that Congress themselves or the government itself has passed. And that first one is the 14th Amendment. I guess you would call that constitutional law, not tort law, but whatever. The 14th Amendment is basically like, bitches, if Congress can't do it, states can't fucking do it either. Like, If the federal government isn't allowed to so on or so forth because the Constitution says that they can't, then states also cannot. Now, there are some things that says the government can't do that, but this will be left to the states. Okay, obviously the states then have the right to deal with that, right? But if for whatever reason the Supreme Court finds that a law is discriminatory, right? Like, let's say, uh, you know, segregation, then it doesn't just mean that the federal government can't do segregation, it means that no one can do segregation, because the Constitution is meant to protect the citizens that the federal government is supposed to protect. So the first thing is, when it says, Congress shall make no law respecting establishment of religion, that's actually slightly edited by the 14th Amendment, which basically just says, no law. No law in the United States. Gov- uh, federal, state, county, city, School board, no law, respecting establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The second part of this is that a lot of times, uh, and strict constructionists will disagree, but the Supreme Court, in my opinion, has been right in being like, when they said no law, they didn't really mean law as in like a past law what they really meant is government action. Like, the government can't take an action that would essentially do this. That's why executive orders can be found unconstitutional. right? An executive order, by definition, is not a law. It's an executive order. It's not a law that Congress has passed. It doesn't go into any book of laws or U.S. codes or any of that. It's just an executive order. But what they... but. The Supreme Court, in almost all cases of almost all of the amendments, has at least in, at one time or another made a ruling which would basically delete law from that and basically say no government action may respect an establishment of religion or prohibit the free exercise thereof, right? <clears throat> so we have to take that into account. In a specific case of this, uh, that government action, for example, in Engel versus Vital, uh, was a school prayer. There wasn't a law that mandated the school prayer, but like the state, whichever state it was, I forget which one, the state basically was trying to, They they made a rule, like the education board made a rule that, You had to recite this prayer at the beginning of every school day or whatever. They let kids leave if they wanted to, and kids could be silent if they wanted to. And yet the Supreme Court still found that uh, not law, but just government action of telling schools to recite this prayer unconstitutional. In fact, they even went a step further and said, if any school administrator at all wrote the thingy, even if it's distinctly not religious, it's still not allowed because it can get really close to religion. And government employees are not allowed to take government action that respects an establishment of religion or prohibits the free exercise thereof. Okay, I've probably wasted like six minutes of my 10 minutes. um, But what I want to get your, I want to get your opinion on something. Um, Because there's a famous case that I'm a huge fan of, and I don't want to bring it up. I want to get your opinion. What do you think prohibit the free exercise thereof means? So, the government shall take no action respecting the establishment of religion, comma, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof.
1: I mean, that doesn't seem like one of the more, um, like ambiguous statement in the constitution. I don't think they said that word right. But anyway, I think that it's pretty clear that the first part says the government the, the government shall not promote any religions. Yeah. And the second part saying the government will not prohibit any religions.
0: Yeah. For me, there's a little bit of confusion in when you say prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Right? Because There's one thing to say that we're not going to deny your religion. You can be Christian, or Muslim, or Buddhist, or whatever. But what if your religion is in contradiction to other established laws? Right? So, like, what if you sacrifice animals on Passover? You sacrifice a goat and you put its blood on your doorway. And your state passes a law saying that you're not allowed to sacrifice goats for the express purpose of just putting blood somewhere. You have to, you know, butcher it for human consumption. Right? I see
1: where there could be, there's a problem here. Yeah. And I don't know what the deal is. Because, like, the government shall pass no laws prohibiting the free expression of religion. However, it's exactly worded. Yeah. But if your religion is, for instance, a sect of Satanism that requires human sacrifice. Correct. What, what then? Murders against the law. But yeah. you should make no laws that prohibit the free expression of this religion. And the free expression of this religion requires human sacrifice. Yeah. So then what does it, what, which wins out?
0: Correct. So, um, and here's why I wanted to talk about this. Uh, there's a rule that the US Supreme Court came up with uh, in United States versus Caroline products co in 1938 doesn't matter. I'll give you the rules. It's called the strict scrutiny test. And these are the these are the three rules. The law must be justified by a compelling government interest. So for example, Uh, let's say it's sacrificing a goat the compelling interest could be you know we don't want to have people willy-nilly mutilating animals right it's not that we're against sacrifice for Passover so reiterate the rule again the law must be justified by a compelling government interest
1: so that's just as vague as the rule
0: it is pretty it is pretty vague uh, but some of the examples include, like, include national security, or preserving the lives of a large number of individuals, not violating, you know, explicit constitutional protections. So Why does
1: it way. have to be a large number of individuals? Why like, couldn't it just be one?
0: Um, ah, because that's a good question. It's typical. It's it could be one.
1: Like if it's human sacrifice, you're sacrificing one person. That's not a large number of individuals by yeah, my I, definition of large group of individuals.
0: Yeah, I think that one would probably fall under just not violating other constitutional protections. What constitu- what constitutional protection is that violating? Well, like, you know, a habeas corpus, like right to privacy, right or like I I don't know if it's expressly put into the amendments, but the right to not be murdered. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's especially written in the Constitution, is it? That's true. It's not. It, the right to life
1: is in the Declaration of Independence. Correct. Which is not the Constitution. Correct.
0: So that's true. I mean, uh, this is I a assume that if you were
1: to sacrifice a person for your religion, you're going to jail.
0: Yeah, I assume that as well. Um, I've I've had this argument as well. Uh, it's actually—it's a very fascinating argument. We can have this argument a different time. But it's the discussion of uh, some people claim that certain rights are like natural rights. Like the right to life is a natural life. And I think that's bullshit. If you don't have a government or a body or a society trying to protect that right, it's not a right. There are no no such thing as a natural right, in my opinion. You have a natural right to nothing. If someone agree. in the wild comes up to you and murders you, there goes your, quote, natural right to life, unquote, and nobody's protecting that. There right? are
1: very few things that are less fair than existing yeah. in the universe. <laughs> Correct. And I think it's the government's job to attempt to bring fairness to a chaotic universe.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's finish this up because it's, it's really – there's two more rules and then we'll talk about my favorite case. One of my favorite cases. So the first rule is it must be justified by a, com- a compelling government interest. The second rule is the law or policy must be narrowly tailored to achieve that goal or interest. So what that basically means is if like the law is too broad, they'll be asked to restrict that law to only affect the compelling government interest and not be broader than it needs to be. Okay, also pretty vague, right? Pretty vague. The third one, (laughs) and this is similar to the second one, is the law or policy must be the, quote, least restrictive means for achieving that interest. There must not be a less restrictive way to effectively achieve. So here's what I'd argue. Those are three things. They sound reasonable, but they also sound equally vague. They all sound... Super fucking vague I agree Okay, so here comes my favorite case that I wanted to talk about And I'm wondering if you agree with this I'm not going to tell you Who wrote the opinion And if you're going to ask me to guess who wrote it I will not get it right You probably won't, but we'll see (laughs) Uh, uh, So let me At least give you the proper name and, And everything uh, I won't give you the full name, but the name of the case is Employment Division v. Smith. Is it Scalia? It is Scalia. Otherwise, you wouldn't have asked me. <laughs> uh, it is Scalia. Um, the name of the case is Employment Division v. Smith. We have talked about it on the podcast before when we were talking about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. But I wanted to talk about... Like, more about this case and if you think that you agree with strict scrutiny, which is the rules I just read, or the uh, precedent that would have been established by this case. It was in 1990. Basically, some guys uh, were were Native American as part of their religion. They smoked some peyote. Uh, They got fired for smoking peyote. They then petitioned the government of that state, which I believe was Oregon, to get unemployment benefits. Oregon has a policy where they do not give unemployment benefits if you were fired for being delinquent. And in this case, they were fired for breaking the law, which was smoking peyote Uh, or eating peyote. I don't... It depends. Some people smoke it, but I think most people eat it, actually. So eating peyote, whatever. So... They were denied it actually there's some other stuff that happens first. It goes to the Oregon Supreme Court. the Oregon Supreme Court says, "No, it goes to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says, "Eh, we don't care." goes back to the Oregon Supreme Court. Oregon Supreme Court's like, "Okay, if they don't care, we'll make a slightly different re- ruling. goes back to the u s Supreme Court, and then they're like, "Okay, fuck, we should look at this one." Uh, so they look at An it. example
1: of how of how courts shouldn't work yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it is actually a good example of that. It's because, anyway, it's, it's a long story and I don't want to waste time on it. But here's what Scalia said, in his opinion. And he was joined, uh, I believe it was 6-3. And is the majority opinion or the minority opinion? The, ma- the majority. He wrote the majority opinion. It was 6-3 and at least one... Uh, One or two liberal justices joined this opinion. Um, And Sandra Day O'Connor joined it. She's conservative, but was generally fairly moderate around that time period. So anyway, it's a pretty good to go 6-3 in this. And at least one liberal, uh, one or two moderates. So um, not everyone, it wasn't as divisive as a lot of cases are today. But here's, here's what Scalia and the majority opinion came up with. And it's one rule. The rule is that in order to abridge your right, your First Amendment right, to the free exercise of religion, the law must, quote, must be, quote, a neutral law of general applicability, unquote and he goes on to describe that and what it, the, the description is basically if you cannot prove that the law targets you targets your religion fuck you <laughs> right so the thing is i don't he was like i don't care whether banning peyote is a is a compelling state interest the state is allowed to ban peyote i don't care if it's uh, the least restrictive means, and I don't care if it's nearly tailored. The state decided to ban the consumption of peyote, and they weren't targeting the Native American religion. They just banned peyote. Now, I would you, disagree with that. What do
1: you why? If 95% of the people who smoke peyote are Native American, then they're targeting Native Americans. I, it's kind of like
0: banning people who
1: own low income housing.
0: I disagree. Uh, be, and the reason why I'd say this is because uh, other substances of the same badliness were also illegal in the state of Oregon. Right. So like marijuana was also banned. And and, and they just put peyote and marijuana all in the same bucket. Right. And so they, they it's not like and that's that's part of his thing is this was a neutral law of general applicability. Like there's no documents or proceedings or anything to prove that the peyote ban was anything then other than just a blanket ban on all mind-altering substances that weren't alcohol. Right? All, well, entheogenics or whatever you want to call them. Marijuana, peyote, DMT, whatever. Right? And so that's what that's what he was saying is that your claim that your religion is, and that's what he's saying, you have the right to free exercise, to exercise your religion as much as you'd like, right? But what his point was, and there's a, there's a quote up here, um, you can kind of almost, if you really read the constitution as purely as it's written, you could just put any religious act outside the law. And he was basically saying, look, Why do we have all these rules about the government having to prove stuff? All the, the Constitution is giving you is the right to not be purposefully discriminated against for your religion, right? Not to have, you know, oval or circular shaped hats banned just to piss off Jewish people, right? Or not to ban peyote and allow marijuana and allow DMT and allow all these other things. Because you know that nobody eats peyote except for Native American practitioners of their religion, right? So, yeah, I want... So, let me back off for a second. What do you think? I mean, it seems like a good rule, but it could be abused.
1: But I guess that's the case with any rule. Yeah, well, that's Um, true. I have... Like, that's the style of law that the United States practices, right? Is making general case law. Yeah. And trying to apply it as broadly as possible. Yeah. And I don't like that style, but I understand that that is a style of governing that we have.
0: Mm, okay.
1: I would have it be case-by-case case very specific.
0: Ah, I remember I was talking about that before, that you'd rather... Instead of the Supreme Court making sweeping things like this is allowed or this is not allowed constitutionally. It would just be like, look, bro, bring it to us, we'll decide. Like we'll 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 do case, case by case. case, like on the side of the line, not on the side of the line, and if you don't like it, sorry, we're the Supreme Court or <laughs> whatever, right? Like this okay.
1: ambiguity is what allows them to discriminate.
0: Yes. That, so that I agree with, right? Like like part of the thing about a lot of discrimination in both the United States and under other countries is the ambiguity of laws allowing discrimination. And I very much agree that, you know, this could be amb- ambiguous, right? And they could, they, who knows, the entire Oregon legislature could have conspired to, you know, attack Native American people. I and think in
1: this particular case, that wasn't, because if they wanted sure. to
0: attack Native American people, they had to attack a
1: lot of other not-Native American people to yeah. get marijuana. So in this case,
0: but what I'm just saying is to to like generalize- Stop and frisk is a
1: general rule <laughs> yeah. that they used specifically to abuse minorities. Yes. Right? So you have this general rule yes. that seems good on its surface, but then it's only targeting minorities. Yeah. So All of these... All of these laws that allow police or citizens to self-defense generally only apply if you're shooting at minorities. They don't really apply if you're shooting at white people. It's just like how these kind of rules get interpreted that they need to be much, much more specific.
0: Sure, I, I agree with that, and, and that's a good point. Like in this case, you would say, "Well, the stop and frisk is a general, is a neutral law of general applicability. Not that stop and frisk has anything to do with religion, but the same kind of thing that you might say, well but if your religion is against being stopped and frisked, yeah, exactly, yeah.' So there's, and that's the thing. Well, <laughs> in the, but and so that's a good point. Is strict scrutiny would say, is stop and frisk the least restrictive means of Uh, Addressing crime And the answer would be definitely no Right And so you could bring a case to the You know, a case that says My constitutional right to my religion To not be stopped and frisked Is being abridged Due to the fact that You know, this is not the least restrictive way To achieve the compelling government interest Or whatever Um, Okay, so we probably need to finish up But I would say I actually fall closer to this ruling Personally, I I am kind of of this opinion where I don't like. And, and the other reason is because instead of just seeing the government uh, discriminating against religions, I also see religions getting different favoritism. Right. Like I see cases that are defending Christian rights being a lot more uh, those laws are deemed unconstitutional all the time because it fucks up it fucks with Christian beliefs, right But when you de- start delving into some other religions like Islam or Buddhism or peyote, Native American like you know if Native American religions, etc, there is a way you're way less likely to have that law found unconstitutional, right? And so I actually feel like, it gives the government more of a standing to pass a law, right? It gives, for example, in the cake case, part of the reason why the cake case was so contentious is because after this happened, after this case, Congress passed RIFRA, which said that Congress, or sorry, said the Supreme Court had to interpret the First Amendment the way they used to. They had to go back to strict scrutiny, And I feel like in the cake case, if the Supreme Court could have evaluated the rules on the anti-discrimination laws in uh, whatever state that was, they would have been able to evaluate it against the law being a neutral law of general applicability. But they weren't allowed to do that. They had to evaluate it using the framework of RIFRA. They had to say, is this uh, a compelling government interest, and is this the least restrictive means? And that's one of the things they dinged them on, is that it wasn't the least restrictive means. That 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 they had, you know, said something in their report that m- indicated that maybe it wasn't the least restrictive means. So that's what they dinged them on, and ended up saying that he could deny fucking baking people a cake, right? Whereas if the if the uh rule it was a neutral law of general applicability they would have just been like look you have a body that does these cases this is a neutral body of general applicability they applied their ruling now you're done that's it
1: sorry this is not entirely related it's kind of related to the cake case specifically but did you hear about the guy who owned a sports store in i think it was colorado denver area i did not he uh, After Colin Kaepernick did that famous Nike ad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh,
0: I, I actually
1: did hear about this. Sorry. So, <laughs> if anyone doesn't know, this guy who owns a major sports <laughs> store stopped selling all Nike gear in protest to Nike supporting Colin Kaepernick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he recently went out of business. <laughs> because, two reasons... Reason one, which is the primary reason he went out of business, is because Nike makes yeah. most sporting gear, and it's hard to have a sporting gear store when you don't sell the majority of sporting gear. Yeah. The second reason is, is a as a counter protest to his store because he was so verbally, I am against Colin Kaepernick. People didn't shop at his store; they shopped somewhere else. Yeah, that's. I think a minor reason why he shut down. I think the major See, reason he shut down
0: is because that's you're one not... one of my problems with, like, uh, social capitalism will result in everything being better. And it's like, nope, I don't think the reason why his business closed down had anything to do with social capitalism. It had to do with the fact that he's way too dumb and stopped selling Nike products. Right? So you
1: don't think that the cake store is going to hurt for business if they're vocally homophobic? You don't
0: think that would hurt them enough? No, because I think he's probably in a majority, a community that now more people are going to go there too who are supporting him, right? That's one of the problems with capitalism as a whole is that it's the consciousness of the masses, not necessarily the consciousness of what society wants to be when it grows up, right? (laughs) (laughs) So today, society, you know, 20 years ago, Democrats and Republicans signed uh, the Defense of Marriage Act, right? Which I think most Democrats would find fairly reprehensible language today, right? And so you had the discrimination of people based yeah, on but the we, masses.
1: we shit on that now. But at the time, they, you take what victories you can get, right? Like, it wasn't everything we was, was like, you know, don't ask, don't tell and all these other things. Like, was there sure. any hope for Bill Clinton to pass gays can be in the military? Sure. No. Uh, no Would no, no, Bill Clinton no, I, find a weaselly way to allow yeah. gays to stay in the military? Yes, he did. And it wasn't the best solution. But at the time, this is like, you have to remember that, like, the whole Sorry, LGBT yeah. rights movement, get it? Like, it's, it's an old movement. But, like, it was a slow roll until recently where it just yeah. hit critical mass and took off.
0: Yeah, so, uh, sorry, I don't fault the people necessarily at the time who pushed that legislation or those policies um, because it, it, it was the time period. It's just to, uh, you know, point out the failure of allowing the masses, allowing the ca- societal capitalism to decide what is right or wrong. In 50 years, that's definitely going to be considered wrong. Like it's going to be ninety ten or 95-5. Right? It's gonna be comical. Those people are gonna look back and be like, I cannot believe people treated people that way. I can't believe a president was elected in two thousand sixteen and he subsequently tried to ban transgender people from the military. Right? Like they are not going to believe that, and it's gonna be ninety five five or ninety eight two or more than that, right? And that's that's just to say that's not to say that you know, we're not doing the best we can right now. There's not still people standing up and being vocal about these things right now. It's just to say that we've got a long history of social capitalism not working. Right?
1: (laughs) Well, I would just like, as my closing thought, is that I'm happy that you're optimistic about the (laughs) 95-5 thing. I don't know.
0: Oh, really? Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, I could be wrong. I hope I'm not. That would blow if I'm not. Or, yeah. Uh, Sorry, if I am, because we were talking about the word wrong. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, I thought you might find that discussion fascinating. I was a little... um, The other thing for me that's interesting about these types of discussions is uh, that job is hard, right? Both of those are still vague. You know, a rule that says the law must be a neutral law of general applicability and a rule that says it must blah, 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 three different prongs of strict scrutiny, those are both still pretty vague, right? Uh, So it's, it's hard to always know what, you know, I just tend to fall more towards what Scalia said in that specific opinion. Uh, we're reading a book. I'm really excited about talking about the book. Um, Player of Games. Yeah, Player of Games. By Uh, Ian Banks. Yes. Not because... I mean, it is good. But also because I think that there's a thesis that he hasn't quite gotten to yet that I think is going to happen. And I'm excited about discussing that thesis.
1: I want you to write down that thesis. Uh Uh-huh before you read the rest of the book to see okay. if it comes true or not.
0: Interesting. Well, it, I mean, it, mine is pretty vague. It's not like a specific fe- thesis, but I will. I know. I'm just curious
1: about, like. I'm going to write it down. Yeah, I've got thoughts You've got and thoughts. feelings about the
0: book that I can't wait to get, <laughs> dive into. Yeah, it's it's very good so far. Um, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Email? Email, tell us if you want to be a guest. Uh, you've already listened to an episode recently with a guest by this point.
1: Off-handedly <laughs> mentioned that this podcast exists to one person who currently does not know that it exists. Mm, you did? Or no, they it's should. A, it's a general instruction. Do you know what? That would be helpful. If you're listening this far, like if you're this deep into this episode, if you're like deep into us <laughs> at least take that step for us least... you know buy us flowers or something
0: Buy, us, you know metaphysical metaphorical flowers
1: every person you tell that this podcast exists to that didn't previously know this podcast
0: exists it's a flower to me <laughs> um okay we still we still got something like i don't know a hundred a hundred downloads a week or so a little bit more than that, so that's pretty good. Somebody cares, Rob. Somebody. Um, okay, anything else? Nothing.